Hello and welcome to the first in-season episode of the UConn Football Pod. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm joined by Luke Swanson and Tucker Warner. The Huskies opened their season in Logan, Utah and shocked the world by covering the 27-point spread, jumping out to a 14-0 lead, and managing to keep it within one score going into the fourth quarter. This may sound like loser talk to some, but for those who have been following UConn football really closely, we know this is certainly a sign of progress and something to be feeling good about as an observer. Uh, Of course, a win would have been cool. Playing slightly better would have been great. Not losing some key players to injury also would have been nice, but you can't have everything you want. Overall, I think we can all agree we are pretty impressed with the Huskies initial initial performance I would say that's mostly due to having modest expectations going into this week zero matchup but still Tucker what stood out to you from the first weekend's matchup honestly what stood out to me most is just the uh, general overall improvement of this team uh, as we saw over the course of the game. Um, I know we came out with a bang in the first quarter, really slipped in the second and tried to adjust. And as we came out of the locker room at halftime, the adjustments that Mora and the coaching staff made were you know, really strong and helped get the Huskies back in it in order to have a competitive result at the end of the game. We did not see that at any point last year against a team as good as Utah State. So that's the sort of thing that uh, really speaks to the overall improvement of the team. Uh, Obviously, this is going to be marred by the injuries that we saw um, that may keep Taquan Roberson out for the season, that may keep um, Keelan Marion out for an extended period of time. Hopefully, both of those guys can get back as soon as possible. But honestly, in the second half, even without them, the adjustments that the team was able to make and the way that they came out looking fairly strong in that second half, uh, despite the injuries, that speaks to an overall improvement with the team that we didn't have at any point last season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that just it, it speaks to the overall raised level of play that and this is going to sound uh, this is going to sound a little a little like the the quote unquote loser talk that Aman was talking about earlier. But despite losing the turnover margin by I think four to no three to two, so uh, losing the turnover mar- margin, having sort of an aggrieved call at the end of the game, which uh, uh, it's been a while since I w- we could say that something like that has has made the difference between a win or a loss. But between those two things, just the, the luck not really going UConn's way, it could have been a totally different. It could have been a totally different game, and it's not like this is a bad team either. Like, yeah, you know, Utah State did look a little rough around the edges at, at points, and there were there are certainly things that they can improve upon as a program. But just the fact that UConn was able to keep it close into the into the fourth quarter, and I think that them jumping out to an early lead might not have been the big surprise. I think it's that their defense buckling down and getting a lot of the very key stops in the second half and clawing back into it with the, with the field goals, just re- that that's what really stuck out to me as overall, like in game flow, that's what really, uh, that's what made me, made me very impressed with this game as, as someone who's watched a lot of UConn football over the past couple of years. 
Yeah, and it may not matter much, but Taquan Roberson did look like he had comfortable command of the offense. I know we're going off of an incredibly small sample size, but I think, um, you know, leading them for a touchdown drive, moving them down the field, he looked, looked solid doing it. Incredibly unfortunate for him. All indications are ACL injury and out for the season. But they responded from that too. I mean, you turn to a true freshman in Zion Turner and – you know, they, I don't want to say they don't lose a step, but, but they stayed in the game. And that's really remarkable when you consider everything. Uh, it was already probably going to be um, a run heavy offensive strategy. That's going to be the case even more going forward. But it does look like UConn can run the ball, which is a good thing. Nate Carter ran it 20 times for. 190 yards, that's 9.5 yards per carry. And it was not just Carter who deserves credit for that. The offensive line was also getting a good push, which um, is not something that we have seen consistently in a very long time. So those performances are, are really encouraging. Both Zion Turner, a true freshman, coming in and and not shitting his pants, you know, is what I'll we'll call that performance. And, um, and the scheme and the scheme, you know, effort from the team to, to manage around that as well as what, what looks like a really strong running game. If we're going to dig into the running game for a second, I was very impressed with some of the, some of the run looks that Charlton was able to draw up. It, the window of dressing wasn't as overwhelming as maybe some feared, uh, it was it was simple, but it was a little exotic in its own way, and it definitely set up Carter to uh, – it set him up for success. Now, a lot of things had to happen for him to get, have a, one of the best running performances since – I'm going to pull out a name – David Pindell graced the, graced the sidelines for UConn. But he really – I think he improved from last year. I think he's got – a lot better vision now. He's very, very hard to take down. I'd like to like to get his workout program because he's at a very low center of gravity. He's very slippery and just was able to, to bounce off and elude tackles in a way where he would he would get hit, but he just wouldn't go down. He'd be able to slide off and not get wrapped up. And it wasn't like it was bad tackling either. So that was very impressive to me from from uh, Carter. I think that the offensive line definitely uh, a, a story of a, a very Jekyll and Hyde performance from the offensive line. I'm sure we'll go into some of the some of the negatives later, but Haynes and Guidon were tremendous, tremendous blockers on the inside there. Uh, the trap, the power. It's hard to ask for two better better uh, players to run that than those two guys for you on football and those are two dudes right there. Like if they keep up this level of performance for the whole year, UConn and Carter does as well. UConn's going to have a very potent running game. Yeah. And who I mentioned another guy who I thought really stood out on the offensive line. Valentin Sen was out there on the left tackle, opening up a ton of holes. And overall, I think that 
this was a line where the left half really shone throughout the entire game and the right half was a little shaky at times and maybe did not provide UConn with the best protection in pass plays or really with a lot of running opportunities for Carter. Nonetheless, I'm going to have to agree with you, Luke, on exactly where Carter is with his improvement after his true freshman season. Uh, note to Randy Edsel, this is what happens when you actually retain players to start for your team for more than one year. Uh, you're able to see them improve as they get older and maybe even get better and, you know, contribute to a winning team, uh, which it might look like UConn is trending towards at this point through, you know, one game. So overall, I mean, if you take a look at this offense, yeah, I have my question marks about Zion Turner right now. I'm a little uncertain about exactly where he stands, but we know that if we have to get into this run heavy game that does suit our uh, skill set already, well, then we do have the personnel to pull it off. And I think that that going forward is going to be the thing that could end up helping out Zion Turner and maybe later down the road, Kale Millen or Tyler Pomachan or whoever may be taking snaps at QB, uh, knowing that you do have that run game you can turn to if necessary. I think that if we're going into sort of how the offensive line was a mixed bag, I think that you're right. The, that right side of the offensive line has a bit to work on in terms of pass protection, especially. And I'd yeah. say the offensive line as a whole didn't provide uh, Turner with the best uh, base on uh, what should really get set and, and go through his reads. So uh, Charlton turned to the screen game early, uh, a lot of uh, rollouts, a lot of structured routes, just, just some really super structured stuff. And I think that stuff worked well. You wouldn't really know it based on the, based on the, the uh, quarterback line at the end of the day, but I, Turner made a couple really good passes. The, uh, a uh, touchdown pass to was it Marion? Yep. Yeah, the touchdown to pass to Marion was fit, was uh, fit into a really tight window, and he, there were flashes. So uh, whether they decide to uh, go with him for the rest of the season, or whether I'd say uh, maybe more likely get have him get a couple more games and then uh, then uh, throw a redshirt on him, I, I think that there's flashes there. Yeah, and with Turner, I actually have lost no faith whatsoever in his potential. If anything, I feel more sure than I did before that Turner is one day going to be a good quarterback at the FBS level. But he's also a true freshman who was playing high school games against 16-year-olds, not even a, a full uh a full year ago, excuse me. And now he's got to go in and play against grown men in FBS level football at a team that is probably going to be ranked in the top 25 at some point this season in Utah state. And yeah, that's going to be an adjustment. So I think the positives you can take from this is that he never really looked panicked in the pocket. Uh, it wasn't as if the game was moving too fast for him. He just struggled to adjust to a lot of the defensive looks they're going to throw at him. Uh, he doesn't have a veteran QB's pocket awareness just yet, but these are all things that are going to come with time. Uh, you can see the arm skill is there. Uh, he's not afraid to try to extend uh, plays with his legs. He threw the ball away at the right times, and you know there's going to be so many college quarterbacks you see this year who just absolutely keep the the ball because they're like, no, I can get it deep. No, I can get it deep. And then all of a sudden they're sacked for a 15 uh, or 20 yard loss. Um, so overall, I, I think that Turner is going to be in a good spot here. Eventually, it's just not going to happen overnight. He's a true freshman. I think that if they want to just give him some time as the starter for the time being, yeah, I'm on board with that. One thing I will note about Turner's performance is one thing that I'd like to see him develop even more, maybe even more than is, is throwing game, just because we know that 
that we're at least we can see so far that that talent is there based on fall camp and what we saw in the first game and his high school career. Uh, we know his arm is good. I just think that the one thing that Robertson would have provided had he stayed healthy is quicker decisions in the run game mm-hmm. and more skills a runner. I think Turner is a good runner, but no, a good runner for uh, he's proven in high school that he's a good runner. But mm-hmm. I think that at the next level, it's still a situation where everyone's coming big, everyone's bigger, everyone's coming faster. So mm-hmm. it, it's a jump up in that aspect. And I'd really like to see him. It's strange to say this about a quarterback, but I'd like to see him develop as a runner if UConn is going to continue with this run heavy, run heavy offense because we saw a couple read option looks. I don't think it's I think it's something that we would have seen a lot more of had Robertson, maybe not a lot more of, but we would have seen more of had Robertson stayed in as the quarterback because he does bring that talent there. But I I think that Turner, that that's one area where he could stand to develop if UConn's going to continue with with this brand of offense. Yeah, I agree. I think that there was uh, a few times there when uh, he was out of the pocket and maybe looking at a defender in a one-on-one situation, and he just looked a little hesitant to tuck the ball and go forward with it. Uh, I think that'll come with time. Like you said, uh, you know, these guys are just a lot faster (laughs) at this level, a lot bigger, and I get the hesitancy. uh, And that's something that just comes with experience as you get adjusted and acclimated to the game at this level. So yeah, I ultimately think that uh, once he develops as a runner, too, he's going to really step up his game as a result. Yep, Mora said he is going to be the starter going forward. I think it is interesting to kind of monitor whether or not UConn looks to shut him down and redshirt him. I feel like that kind of just goes against the football guy ethos to do something like that, particularly if he goes in and uh, plays well or, or you know improves over the course of four games, is it really better for his development to shut him down so he can play another season five years from now? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think just something to think about that's different is now he will be taking all of the first team reps as, as Jim Mora pointed out in one of his recent press conferences. And so now he's going to be preparing as the starter. Whereas, you know, this time one week ago, He's like, yeah, I'm going to go into this game on the backup. We'll see what happens. You really don't expect the starter to go down on the second drive of the season and for you to be the primary backup that goes right in when you're a true freshman. So it's a lot to absorb and handle and take on. And obviously they had to really constrict the play calling and playbook. I think that's going to be less the case, certainly against Central. Mm-hmm. Again, because of the the reps thing, but also the fact that UConn should have some sort of talent advantage in this game, which I think will make life a little bit easy for him. But that's also an opportunity for Turner, really, as uh, for this game to be uh, a get right opportunity for him and a receiving group that needs to look different now that it's missing its top two guys from you know three from who we thought it was two or three weeks ago, it really is a rough thing to have over the rest of this season that the number one QB and number one receiver are gone. Uh, and, and to have it happen so quickly, it's, it's really, it is going to affect how we think about the trajectory of the season. Still, nevertheless, um, you have to be impressed with Turner. I think it looks like he's going to get a shot indefinitely And for me now, as it relates to this UConn team as a whole, I got to say, I'm, I'm all of a sudden 
with Tucker thinking, can UConn beat the Syracuse team? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I wanted to know what you guys thought about the defensive performance, though, just briefly uh, before we dive into some other stuff. They, you know, they seem to look all right out there. They made stops in the early going. They forced a couple of turnovers. It certainly wasn't enough. And Utah State also did get lots of chunk plays and seemed to move the ball at will when it needed to. How do you guys feel about how the defense did on Saturday? Uh, it was a tale of two defenses for me. Uh, if you look at the front seven, I think that they actually had a pretty good game. Uh, obviously, a lot of credit has to go to Jackson Mitchell, uh, just all over the field, led the team in tackles with 16, had the team's only sack, and just generally was doing exactly what you would want from a guy at the linebacker position, just completely destructive. And they had to, uh, Utah State had to play their game plan around him. Uh, so a lot of credit goes to the front seven. Meanwhile, the secondary just looked shaky all night. Uh, you know, there was a couple promising performances. I did like, uh, you know, some of our safeties. I think Malik Dixon played a pretty solid game. I also thought that uh, Chris Sheeran, when the ball was around him, uh, was able to make some plays as well. Uh, for a guy who had a lot of snaps, he wasn't always, uh, you know, seen by the TV cameras. And if you're in pass coverage, that's normally a good sign that you are, in fact, doing your job. Uh, on the other hand, though, you had a couple guys who, uh, you know, were here last year, and I don't want to you know, call out any one person and say this is the entire reason the defense uh, was there or was uh, so bad. But uh, Caleb Anthony with 88 snaps played every single defensive play and just didn't make an impact whatsoever. Uh, he let up a couple big plays, uh, you know, like missed some tackles, just overall and completely unimpressive performance from a guy who had been here the season before as a starter. Uh, and that's the type of performance you can't have from returning guys. So with Miles Bell still recovering from the Achilles injury that took him out last season, it might be Anthony's time to really need to either pick it up or just get replaced by Bell in the starting lineup for the next games. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo what you're saying, Tucker, about the defensive front seven. But like for me, the linebackers were the more definitely the more proven group than the defensive line, but the mm -hmm. defensive line, and you've already said, what else more is there to say about Jackson Mitchell? But the dude is a, the dude is a monster. Right. I'm so happy that he got to have it. One of his best games of his career in the, a showcase game on national TV. Cause that dude has been at the center of some really, really poor Yukon defenses. And just to really showcase his, his tremendous talents in front of a national audience, it got to feel really good for the guy. Yep. But in terms of the, the defensive line, I will say that that was a pleasant surprise for me because there were a lot of unknowns in there. There was a lot of uh, we were really kind of questioning where these pieces would fit, lost a lot of talent. I think I think McDuffie, very big physical presence, not going to offer you a whole lot so far in the pass rush, which is still where they need to improve. But got uh, him. Gordine, uh, Watts, they all really did their thing on the defensive line and plugged up those gaps and allowed Mitchell to really get into those areas and make those tackles. It's really tough for a, for a linebacker if your defensive line is getting double teamed and and a, a guy's able to break off and, and get you in that second level. And in terms of run defense, the defensive line really did a good job of, of just – eating those blocks and letting the linebackers do what they do best. 
Now, in the pass rush, um, they, they got to show me more. As of this, as of this game, only one sack uh, came from Mitchell. Your defensive line has to, and outside linebackers at least have to get to the have to get to the quarterback, and it was an issue last year, and we we had said it might be an issue going into this year, and hasn't they haven't really shown us anything to the contrary. So that, that's one area that I would like to see improved upon on the defensive line, and like you said, the uh, defensive backfield uh, left a lot to be desired it's kind of the same old story so it, it's either a talent of you got to coach these guys up or get more talent in the room and maybe that maybe some of the newer guys they brought in might rise to the top of the horse the season yeah and i think what's going to end up being the overall big storyline for the season at least defensively is how does mora determine the playing time and the snap count that these guys are getting because if you know if you're going to have like guys who are starters right now who are getting outplayed by guys who are coming off the bench and maybe not even seeing half of the snaps as a result well it's a matter of you know like okay do we run with experience or do we just give these younger newer guys a chance to shine if they've been outplaying the guys above them so along the uh along that note two guys i wanted to shout out who didn't play that much of the game uh on the defensive line but i thought played really well when they were in the game were uh sophomore colin mccarthy and the redshirt freshman price yates i thought that both of them didn't you know play all that much but it seemed like they were you know being very productive when they were in the game. Uh, Yates, especially, I know he didn't play that much, but it felt like every time he took a snap, he was out there trying to make something happen, uh, beating his matchup, making something happen. Uh, and even though it didn't result in any sacks or tackles for loss, uh, he was a guy who was really making sure that like things were happening for the UConn defense. Uh, same with McCarthy. He actually kind of surprised me with how he was able to uh, get past his blocker. I know he missed a couple tackles, but I think that that might be, uh, you know, a, a little bit of bad luck there too. Uh, you know, if you get to, you know, a lot of tackles and the snaps that you have, you're sometimes going to miss them too. Uh, but for a guy like that, who's not supposed to be the major matchup for uh, an opposing offensive line, uh, if you have like McCarthy and Yates or whoever it might be in future games uh, who are not the focal point and they're still trying to make things happen, that's exactly what the UConn defense lacked in these past seasons when teams were just triple teaming Travis Jones all the time and we weren't able to create anything. So uh, ultimately, I think Moore is going to have to eventually look long and hard at who he considers the starters right now and consider reconfiguring a lot of the defensive looks because there were some guys who were young coming off the bench and, you know, hungry for action, really making plays and some guys who were maybe entrenched in the starting lineup who did not impress whatsoever. So going to be some tough decisions here coming up for Amora and the UConn coaching staff. I, I hope they make the right ones. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent ready to say uh, to hitch my wagon to any one player needing us to start or any one player needing to get benched right now. But there's a couple guys that I'm looking at on both ends who may be able to help improve the team with a little bit of a shift in their snap counts. I'm really glad you shouted out uh, uh, McCarthy because he was the only guy who could get in the backfield all game, it seemed like, on, on the defensive line and, and cause some havoc back there. So I think we, when you talk about guys who uh, maybe should see a couple more snaps going forward, I think he's... He's a, he's a guy that should maybe split time at either of the the uh, defensive tackle positions, to be honest, because he, he's he's really the guy only guy that stood out to me in, in that area. 
of the of the field. So uh, a shout out Irish excellence. <laughs> you can never have enough uh, enough Irish lads on the team. <laughs> One other thing to note too uh, that just stood out to me looking at the snap count is how little Marquez Bembry played. Now I projected him to be pretty much in the lineup uh, at every snap. Uh, you know, he's got experience, age, he's a vocal leader. Um, but yet it seemed like other linebackers were, you know, more in the rotation than he was. Uh, so even without Hunter Webb, I don't think he even played a snap. And, you know, those were a few guys who I thought were going to be contributors to the team this year. Little surprised to see, you know, uh, Bembry, for example, uh, you know, like basically getting the boot when we went to a nickel package and adding an extra defensive back. Uh, seemed like his, yeah, he seemed like he was pretty productive when he was on the field. So maybe I'll have to take a look back, see if I missed something. But uh, he's a guy that I would probably try to get a few more snaps out of next time. Yeah, it might just be a case of uh, of a guy getting shuffled out, not by his own fault, just by the different looks that the offense mm-hmm. was throwing at him. And by and because of that, they uh, they decided to shift to a different defensive scheme in that mm-hmm. regard. So that, that 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 might explain a little bit of it, but. It might be a, it might be a, a factor of scheme and not not talent exactly because they were rotating the, those uh, outside edge rushers quite a bit mm-hmm. in the game. I think another thing to just highlight about the defensive performance is that this is a really strong offense that they played against. Logan Bonner was putting some throws in some very tight windows, um, and. And overall, you have to imagine this is one of the better offenses that UConn will face this year. So with that in mind, and again, the fact that, you know, very similar week zero contest last year, they allowed 49, 45 points. Um, I, I think I was encouraged by the defense making making some stops, looking like it can stop people and and being stout up front, as you guys as you guys brought up. Jackson Mitchell was also the only person to get a sack, speaking of the lack of pass rush. And his turnover that he forced was just so awesome, the way he just, like, ripped the football out of that guy's hands. That's, you know, that's a huge play in the game. And it's something that, in addition to leading the team in tackles to pull off something like that, really is incredible. I'm excited for what we see out of Jackson Mitchell the rest of this season. Mm -hmm. and. I think um, with the way that the front seven held up, at least every, again, these are the things that don't sound like the, the coolest thing or loser talk, but it's like at least every single team won't be able to move the ball at will against UConn on the ground and in the air, you know, whenever they want. And I think that's, that's going to be an improvement that serves them well and ultimately has me in in addition to all of these things that we've discussed really rethinking how many winnable games there are this season and that kind of thing i don't know how you guys feel well i said in our uh, schedule preview for this season that uconn could win six games this year and utah state wasn't even one of them so I still think the ceiling is six and a bowl. I think that, you know, UConn still has the ability to get there. Uh, Obviously, it's going to be an uphill battle when you lose two offensive starters, maybe for the season in the first game of the year. But, you know, those six games are still on the table. Uh, And I think that, you know, if if we don't beat Central 
fairly convincingly, we're going to be in trouble. So I, I think that that first real test is going to be Syracuse. Maybe they win that game. Maybe they don't. But if that's a team that they can go out there and really compete with, that's a huge step up from where we were last season, where there was not really a single power five team that we were uh, even capable of uh, competing against. And yes, I'm including Vanderbilt in that. Um, so yeah, I think that looking forward, we're going to be in pretty good shape, but it's a question of how does uh, Mora and Charlton prepare a full game plan knowing that Zion Turner is going to be the starter at QB? I don't know if I'm willing to go six. Uh, just looking at the schedule, I think five might be the ceiling. But I, I do think that just the way, really the thing that makes me makes me kind of reconsider the expectations for the season or the outlook on the season is the way that UConn was able to run the ball and specifically the performance of Carter. Because if even if you're you have a lot of units that are subpar, maybe not not FBS level or not average FBS level, if you have an elite running game and if you have an elite running back, you can win a lot of games. Like if you look at team, if you look at like triple option teams like Army and Air Force, like those their athletes on defense, like Army has a good defense, but their athletes on defense are not really almost not even FBS level just with the size of the, with the size of those guys and, and their, their recruiting restrictions, but they're still able to have successful seasons. And even a team like Navy that's down right now, because the, they decided to just uh, to diss on their head coach and, and move his favorite coordinator to, to like an analyst role. They're able to have better seasons than you can. It's just because they have, uh, they they have a good running game and that can that can sort of that can sort of carry you as a team if you're able to shove it down folks throats so i, I think that i don't think uconn can do that against north carolina state or michigan or some of the better teams in their schedule which is why i think that that ceiling is sort of capped but i do think that if you have a good running game and if you have an elite running back that can carry you a long way it's going to have to. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, he might run for like 300 yards against UMass. Who knows? It could be one of the most epic performances of, of all time. And it might just be what, what UConn needs to do in that moment. But I, I would say I definitely have, have increased my win expectations for this season. I'm going to keep it very secret what my preseason guest was, <laughs> but um, it's, it's gone up. And that's you, you got to give him that after this week. A lot of noise, a lot of things happening in the lead up to the to the first game of the season. You lose the defensive coordinator. There's still a ton of negativity surrounding UConn football, no matter who the head coach is. Uh, and so to come out in week one like this, even though it is a loss, it's it's building positivity. And they have a chance to build on that with Central Connecticut State next week and a very interesting test coming up in two weeks hosting Syracuse that is going to do it for us here on the football pod thank you for listening